The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Well, hello, hello, hello again from the Bible says what? I'm Pastor John Gibson. Hey, and I'm Pastor Paul Desay. And we are back at you uh, with another fun, interesting, mind-bending conversation about all that the Bible holds. Weird things in the Bible, strange things in the Bible, scratch-your-head things in the Bible. We continue the great conversation uh, today with some new fun stuff um, concerning is it fact or fiction, fact or fantasy, literal or figurative, I can't wait for the conversation today, Paul. You excited? Absolutely. It's going to be fantastic, man. What did we talk about last week? Remind me. Let's let's hit a little summary up of last week. What did we do? So we we wrestled with that question, whether it's fact or fantasy, whether it's literal or metaphor, with the story of Balaam and this tonk, talking donkey. I just wanted and, you to say talking donkey uh, again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So anyway. Uh, Baiting you. To, yeah, we came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, it's okay to believe that the donkey talked, or it's okay to believe it's a folktale, uh, that the message is what's important, um, and both of those literary styles are, you know, scholars believe both sides, so. Yeah, and that message is the important part, like, what is it meaning for us today, and understanding that is key. I've been thinking a lot more about that whole literal and figurative thing and some huge horrible problems have arisen in the world when people say well the bible says in terms of taking it literal so that must mean that <laughs> I, I was actually using the google machine and i wish we're, we're an audio podcast but you can find some of these on there i found these memes um it, uh, it reminded me of the princess bride when uh the one what's the little guy's name in there the smart guy i forget the dude's name but he's always saying inconceivable <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what comes to mind when I think of this whole back and forth deal with literal or figurative. There was another meme uh, with a guy that was creepily following another guy. And it says, when I said, follow me, I meant on Twitter. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> not literally. All the, not all literally. the creepers out there. Yep. Yeah. But we, well, this is the huge minefield that is involved with literal things. Brian Zond, I know he's a favorite author of yours. One of his Absolutely. quotes have been floating around on Facebook that says, it's in the Bible doesn't equal wars of genocide, slavery, women held as property, death penalty, eye for an eye. Jesus is Lord, not the Bible. You know, just because it's in the Bible uh, doesn't mean it's good, right? And so the point of the Bible is to point to Jesus. That's the purpose of the Bible. And so everything kind of has to kind of go through that lens of what is this story that we're reading have to do with Jesus. Um, and when you isolate it, you can make the Bible support all kinds of things like slavery and uh, the suppression of women and, and wars and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't look like Jesus. And so that's really kind of why we want to do this is we want to try to get our Bible reading uh, based around Jesus. Jesus is Lord, not the Bible. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. I, I almost felt like I had to duck when you said, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like the lightning was going to crack through my window or your window. Actually, I'm safe. 
so we're zooming right now. I'm actually not in the same room as Paul. So if God strikes you down, Paul, then I'm good to go, man. You know, that's true. Yeah, that but that true. seems like, doesn't that seem like a scary statement? But it, but it also seems like a really exciting statement because it sets us free from some of those questions we have. Of like, what, what does that mean? And right. how can that be true? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's commonplace today amongst Christians to use the phrase, well, it's in the Bible, or it's biblical. And, and what we end up doing is supporting our behavior or our worldview, if we find whatever that is in the Bible. But if it doesn't look like Jesus, we got a problem, you know, and I think that's the state of the church today is, you know, we have a hard time uh, understanding the Christ-like interpretation of Scripture. Anyway. I had a great, uh, well, not a great, I had a moment that makes me think of this this past week. Somebody, you know, with all the stuff going on with COVID, and you got you got this one side saying, love your neighbor, and that's what it means to be Christ-like, and the other side saying, well, you, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity or fear, so go do whatever. And actually I had this family, you know, that was struggling with whether they can go see their kids and this other folks were out, you know, going to church and doing everything and there's tension there. And the one side is saying, well, you know, God says in his word, do, he didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear. So you should act like it's no big thing and we should all be together. And the other side is like, well, Jesus says, love, do you know, love your neighbor and put yourself, you know, put others before yourself. And it's like this war going on and all, all of them are using scripture to justify the things that they're saying to people. And again, like you said, I think it's so important as we continue to talk about all of these questions in scripture and all of our future questions to keep coming back to that place of what is most important and what guides us most effectively is what is, how is it pointing us to Jesus and what is his life? How does that affirm our understanding of what we're reading? And if it Absolutely. doesn't line up, buddy, you know, yeah, there's a problem. Watch out. <laughs> so uh, we do this thing every Sunday uh, at Sandy Hook where uh, it's called Sermon in the Sack, where someone brings in an item, a mystery item in a bag. And then I have to preach a one minute sermon <laughs> on that. So it's a mystery item, right? So that sounds like pa complete pastoral torture to me. It is. It is. <laughs> so this past week, it was a magic eight ball. So I pulled out the magic eight ball. And I'm like, okay, what in the world am I going to do with? But eventually so I just, got So to, you don't know beforehand? You just no. have to, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. whose idea yeah, was this? It, it's mine. I wish I was a congregant of yours. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I so fun. So yeah, you can bring in all kinds in of stuff. Bag. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the Magic 8 Ball, and I, I used the the lesson was we, we shouldn't read the Bible like a Magic 8 Ball. Mm. So when you, you know, you shake the magic eight ball, you're basically trying to get a yes or no, or maybe on what you want. Right. Yeah. And really the Bible is, is a story. It's a story of Jesus. Right. And so what we end up doing is we're inviting to be part of the story of Jesus, the story of God. And so it's the center of the Bible isn't us. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're not the main character of scripture. We're just a supporting character. And so we can't read the Bible like a magic eight ball. You know, it, it's not there to support our worldview. Uh, we are to enter into the worldview of Scripture. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes we got to get out of the way in order to understand the Scripture. That's so good. 
if you're listening to that today, Pastor Paul, Sandy Hook United Methodist Church, you can see him every week, just drive to Indiana. That, that's beautiful, Paul. Thank you for that, um, that imagery of, and it's, I think that's what makes reading the Bible so hard sometimes is because we don't often live in the world where we're not the center, you yeah. know, and, and God and faith is always inviting us to not be the center. And I mean, it creates a lot of issues, but also it invites us to a lot of wholeness too. If we can step outside of that and that's what we're going to do today with our conversation about a big old fish, not a whale, right? That's right. We're going to talk about Jonah. <laughs> Jonah and the whale. So here's the question. Uh, well, actually, we're, we're staying on the same question. How do we know if something's – that's the official question. A lot of language in the Bible seems figurative. How do we decide what to take literally and what to interpret figuratively? So we're continuing on that sort of theme with Jonah and the big fish – um, Pastor Paul, why don't you kind of give us a little bit of overview to kind of launch us into, did Jonah really get swallowed whole? And if he did, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Jonah is one of the 12 books considered the minor prophets. It's only four chapters long. It makes a great children's book. Uh, but oftentimes when we read the children's version of the story, we miss the point. So Jonah was a prophet and he was called to preach God's word to the horrible people in Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria and their mean dudes, evil, like super evil, super, yeah. The Nineveh they're, Nazis, they're, right? Right, pretty much. I mean, pretty much. That would Think be of the, the Nazis. That's, that's right. yeah. They they killed people. They tortured people. They skinned them alive. They stuck poles right up their body. They impaled. I mean, just just horrible stuff. And this is so. Jonah was like, "There's no way in the world I'm going to those people. They don't deserve God's mercy." And so he ran the opposite direction, complete opposite direction. Jumped on a boat, and then the storm hit the boat, and they realized the sailors realized that it was Jonah's fault. Uh, so Jonah agreed to be thrown overboard, and that's the end of the story, right? It's so be. touching that Jonah like offered himself up to save all those people. <laughs> well, he wanted to. He's die such a good day. guy. <laughs> so God, in His amazing grace and mercy, allowed a fish to swallow Jonah, and inside the fish, Jonah, you know, composed a kind of poetry, right? And uh, then. Uh, the fish vomited him out onto the ground. And then Jonah went to Nineveh. He preached a five-word sermon. And then the Ninevites, like, repented. And uh, Jonah was ticked. He was upset with God. He thought God was evil for forgiving and showing mercy to these evil people. And uh, the fourth chapter of Jonah is the one that's not in the kids' books, Right. The fourth chapter is Jonah sitting under a plant, wishing he was going to die, uh, wanted to die. And uh, it turns out a worm ate the plant and he still wanted to die. He was really upset with God about uh, the forgiveness and the mercy. Uh, it, it's really quite a story. And I mean, that's a very short version of it, of course. But I, I think there is a message there for us, John. Yeah, and I think that's what I want to kind of first get us on is this idea of what is the message, because a lot of us think of the book of Jonah, like you said, in a children's book, and our minds are drawn just to this interaction between God and Jonah, the fish, God sparing his life, you know, saving the the boat folks, you know, not getting swallowed up in the storm, and we're all kind of centered around that miracle, 
And two things kind of come to mind is one, are, do we, we miss the bigger message of Jonah because we're stuck on this fish thing, right? And the other thing is, I think a lot of people tie this, whether it's literal or metaphor, right? We tie this moment in scripture with a lot of things like the flood or like Genesis and seven days where if, if we don't believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish, literally, then we're not actually Christians. You know, it's like that. Right. Do we believe in miracles or not? And this is one of those passages that feels like it lines up to me in that big litmus test of, are you a Christian? And if you are, you believe in seven-day creation. You believe there was a flood. You would believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish. Now, whether or not he was, again, I think at the heart of it is, is where we're missing the point. We, we miss kind of the greater truth because we're, we're mincing words about whether it was a fish or it wasn't a fish or did it happen or didn't it happen. I think it's important for us to first start there again and give ourselves permission. I am Absolutely. in fact a follower of Jesus and I don't really know where I land on whether he was or wasn't swallowed by a fish. Right, well, and, and just to, to, to say again, I mean, we do believe in miracles. We, John and I both believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and that's like the biggest miracle ever, right? So it's not a question of, do you believe in miracles or or not? I mean, it's a question of, you know, who wrote this and what were they trying to communicate it to us? Uh, and so, yeah, we believe in miracles. So what, how do we know, you know, and why, why is it important to kind of dig into the text to, to try to understand you know, what are the markers of a literal account and why, why do literal accounts matter? Why are they important in their own right? And what are markers that maybe something is figurative in a text and helps us then understand why that's important and what is it pointing us to rather than getting caught up in the wrong questions? What are the, sure. you know, how do we know? How do I know? And how do I know what's important in the Jonah passage? Well, so I, I think the first place to start is, does the Bible uh, have any mention of Jonah outside of the book of Jonah, right? Uh, so is there a historical marker somewhere? And in fact, it does. So in 2 Kings chapter uh, 14, verse 25, it talks about a prophet named Jonah. And so Jonah was a historical figure. That's the Bible verifies that Jonah was a historical figure. And so this, this historical prophet uh, was mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. And of course, you can get to the New Testament. Jesus mentioned Jonah. And so it does have some sort of historical component to it. And that's a marker that's important. The Bible often interprets itself. And so in this case, it does. Uh, it mentions that Jonah is a prophet. So we know he's a prophet. That, that helps us figure. understand that is who, so he's a real dude. So we have a, a little um, marker of who Jonah was and what was going on in his life. So how do we then kind of continue that journey of finding out what's important with this passage and why does it matter? Well, so then, then you get to this, this question of who wrote Jonah, right? Obviously Jonah didn't write Jonah because Jonah is a bad dude in this story, right? He obviously didn't tell his own story. So somebody else had to write the story of Jonah. Now Either that or he know, was like a masochist, you know, he wanted to, right. <laughs> like who, who, who writes that about themselves? <laughs> Nobody. 
So, you know, a lot of the questions when we get to the other side of this, where people would say that this is a parable, right, is it's, it's, it's both historical and figurative. This is one of those, those uh, times where they kind of meet in the middle. So Jonah is a historical figure. But it's quite possible that someone told the story of Jonah in such a way to make a point, not thinking that all of the details were true. Jonah was historical. So it's kind of like a historical parable. The people knew who Nineveh was. They knew who the Assyrians were. They knew there was a prophet named Jonah. So the author of the book of Jonah was telling a story with a point. And not necessarily do all of the details of the story matter as long as we get the point. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So what was the point? Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, something that that kind of jumps out to me at first glance when I read the story, and I think a lot of people do, is we really connect. If we get past the whether whether it was swallowed or not, we see this internal struggle. And I think we as Western culture Americans don't connect as much as say first century or ancient Jews would have because they they had a deep um, seated connection with the realities of who Nineveh was and what that meant for God to say let's go preach to them that was like crazy but they also so they could understand this struggle the internal struggle with Jonah and his relationship with God and I think that that I noticed that at, at the beginning of this story and how I can identify with that as well, because a lot of times God shows up in my life, I struggle with what he's trying to tell me to do too. You know, it doesn't always make sense. And I, I think that's important to see that God is encountering real people who see the world differently than he does. And that happens all throughout scripture, this kind of repeating um, in this inbreaking of God into our perception of how things should be. And God entering in and saying, no, actually, this is how it's going to be. And you need to learn why you have tension here. I think that it Jonah is an example that we see all the way through the Bible of God using broken people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, God using suspect people, God using people, and they have a choice whether to partner uh, with God. Uh, and, and Jonah did not. He ran away. Uh, and we have that same opportunity as a broken person to either cooperate with God or move the opposite direction. That's a biblical story. I mean, that's that's all the way through the Bible. And so we can take the message, the meaning of it is God uses broken people to do, or God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that, he, that includes us. Yeah, something else that struck me, and actually this comes from the a podcast you share with me, uh, Paul, and it talks about this, this drastic image of God's or love for enemy. And how when Jonah come up, comes up against that reality, and you mentioned it there, when Jonah saw that God forgave Nineveh, literally he saw God as evil in his eyes. For God to forgive Nineveh uh, is evil to Jonah. Like God, Jonah's perception of God is that God is an evil being because of what he did. And I, to me, that is like a, it, it's a, it seems like a radical statement of what, why Jonah would think that, but also it connects me with this reality and their podcast, they mentioned this, um, is that Jonah likes his version of God. And anytime God is opposite or different from his preference of what God should be, then you got problems. Absolutely. And we do that all the time, right? 
I, I mean, don't. that's the. Well, I know you don't. I do. All the mess. time. All the time. And that's what we see in America, uh, which is where we're from, is that there is a debate constantly, this division between whose version of God is right. Mm. And uh, there is plenty of biblical support for both. And again, the question of all questions is which side lines up with Jesus? Problem is neither side does. And that's the, you know, the challenge that we have as pastors is try to help people see Jesus. Jesus is the point of everything we do. Uh, and we're invited to participate in his story, not our own. Uh, and that's challenging. And Jonah is an example of this God that we worship is Jesus. And Jesus loves everybody. And in the story of Jonah, we get a picture of that God, of Jesus, the one who's willing to lay down his life for everybody. And so for us, Jonah and this God, this compassionate, merciful God, is a small picture of who we see in Jesus. And he doesn't just love everybody, Paul. He loves enemy. He does. You know, I think and I think it's there's that's an important delineation because it's it's easier for me to say God loves everybody and feel like, you know, all flowery and happy and everybody's singing under rainbows kind of thing. But this is this is an, uh, a radical image of God where God says, I offer grace, I extend grace, forgiveness, love, unconditional love to enemy. And that was, I, I think, what is so radical about this image for the people of Israel, too, because for God to say, this is who I am, I extend grace, love, forgiveness to this enemy that has killed people you love. Like for, for the Israelites in this story who were reading this, and even later on, hundreds of years later, who were, because I know Jesus even referenced this whole scenario, it, it continued in this human psyche that their connection to enemy is connection to people who hung Grandpa Joe up on a post, you know, and flailed Grandma Jane and hung her outside of the wall. I mean, we, we can't fathom that in our modern minds. But this was enemy. I mean, this is enemy. And even for us, I think the invitation is: God doesn't just love everyone, but God loves your enemy, Paul, and He loves my enemy. The people who are against me, who would see me harmed, that's who God loves, and who God, by His display of who He is, says I should love as a follower of Him. That, my friend, is hard stuff. Yeah. And so, who who are your Ninevites? Who, who are the people that you want to, you know, get back at revenge, retaliation because they've harmed you? Who are the evil people that are outside of God's mercy, in your opinion, or in your, with your God, you know? So uh, we love our retribution, don't we? Oh, we sure do. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, that's, that's hard question. That's, that's the point of Jonah. That's all folks all the time. We we love retribution until we encounter a God who wants to get what he deserves from us. <laughs> we we want we want retro we want retributive justice from God right up until we need restorative justice for ourselves. Like I don't want God to give me what I deserve. I want him to give everybody else what they deserve. But I, I would prefer a isn't that funny? Like how yeah, our, our understanding of God is one way until he encounters us and then we want him to change. <laughs> For sure. Well, think of, think of Jonah. Jonah experienced God's grace when he was swallowed by the fish. He deserved to die. 
he should have died. He should have drowned in that storm in the water, right? But God spared him and gave him grace. But then when the time comes for God to show grace to other people, Jonah couldn't handle it. And so that makes them what we see in the New Testament. We see the, the pharisaical hypocrites, right? We see people that want grace for themselves, but don't want grace for their enemy. Uh, and so then that's another challenge when we step into the shoes of these characters is to say, am I a hypocrite? Am I like Jonah? And a lot of times I am. And yet over and over again, Paul, God shows up differently than we expect, you know, and even in, in stories like this, he shows up and points to things we don't expect all along. You know, we've been talking about how this Jonah story it, and what we want it to mean. And yet over and over again, all throughout scripture, God finds his way every time it seems not seems like it is every time he finds his way to point to Jesus that's kind of our landing spot today Paul is you know Jesus referenced this in Matthew chapter 12 verse 42 all the teachers of the law saying God you know show up and do something special for us to see and and really that was like translation hey show up and do the things we want you to do Mm -hmm. and he references this whole situation of Jonah in this passage in Matthew 12 say hey look here's here's the signs you're going to see they're the same ones that jonah wanted you know was asking for here's what's going to really happen i'm going to show you what i'm all about the three days that jonah spent in the whale is a picture of what i'm going to accomplish in the grave and raise again three days later just like Mm. jonah did i think it's powerful connection metaphorically which is important to our current conversation that jesus would reference that scripture so, I mean, so it, it gets back to the story of Jonah points to Jesus, just like the entire Bible. I mean, the point of the Bible isn't necessarily the details that we see in these stories. The point of the Bible is it points to Jesus. And so Jonah is an amazing story, and we can grab all these lessons from it. But ultimately, Jonah points to Jesus. And I hear you saying, Paul, and for all those that are out there scratching their heads, wondering if something's figurative or literal whether it's fact or fantasy i hear you saying we we should just look for jesus in it and stop and stop spending all our time on things that maybe don't matter as much and look for jesus in it right well i think i think if you we can get lost on the whole did jonah get swallowed by a literal fish that we miss jesus right we we miss this revolutionary God who loves our enemies comes in the flesh to show us what this looks like, to show us what Jonah should have done as a missionary from God, a prophet from God. Uh, And sometimes we miss it because we're looking for the wrong thing. And I don't want to miss it anymore, Paul. I don't know about you. And I I think it's a revolutionary thing. And that's our hope uh, for this podcast is for all of you listening today to maybe go back and as we have all these conversations moving forward and as you're reading the Bible on your own, don't don't miss what God wants you to see most, you know, especially on those things that are really confusing. Go back and read them. I, I know for me personally in my own Bible reading journey um, over the last few years, this, this has really changed for me the way I understand scripture. It's allowed me freedom, some space to deal with some things that I was really having a hard time in my own faith journey about. Specifically, we're going to talk about next week, these violent depictions of God in the Old Testament. And by setting aside the things that I thought were most important 
and starting to look for how does Jesus show up here? And what does he tell me about who he is and about what he wants from me? It changed the way that I read the Bible and it changed how I felt about how I read the Bible too. That's awesome, man. It's all about Jesus. Man, good stuff. Thanks for the conversation today. It's been a, another interesting been good, conversation. Yeah. Um, we're so glad that you took the time to join us today on The Bible Says What? We hope it's tickled your brains and stirred your soul and most of all connected you more deeply to Jesus. So we hope you'll join us for another exciting episode on the Bible Says What podcast as we dig into a topic that is sure to make you go, hmm, as it continues to do in my own faith journey. The question for next week is how do we reconcile the vengeful, violent God of the Old Testament with the God of love revealed in Jesus in the New Testament? How about that, Paul? Now, that is going to be some kind of interesting and awesome and difficult and fun and confusing. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Well, I'm Pastor John. And I'm Pastor Paul. And we'll see you next time. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does the Bible say? What? The Bible says what?